That's pretty fun, isn't it? And I still don't know if they're making a sequel to Goonies. He just brings that up just randomly in the video, so I just I have no idea about that. Uh, what I do like about that particular video is he takes something that's really so serious and kind of makes it a little bit fun. Because there are people out there that when you talk to them about God's will, it's like the most important conversation that they're ever going to have. And then there are other people that really, I mean, it's, it's so lighthearted for them. Like, should I eat this for lunch or that for lunch? You know, is there, is God need to speak to me about every little thing? So my answer is going to be basically, yes, God does speak about everything, but, but it's different than the way they presented there. And that's what he's talking about. So they make a great point in the video by saying that even if you've fallen, even if you've done something wrong, even if you've messed up, it doesn't mean that God's will is somehow off the table for you anymore. It doesn't mean that. You know, the guy just pops his head in and goes, yes. But the answer is no, it's not. And if you can think of it like a giant map, and, and you're on the map, and God wants you to go west, but you decide to go east. All right, you go east for a while, and you figure out this is, oh, this is terrible. I've done the wrong thing. Well, God knows how to take you from over there and move you back to where you should be. He's not gonna, it's not gonna be like, um, what is it, a Star Trek thing where you dematerialize and then you rematerialize where you should be. It's probably not gonna be one of those. Instead, it's gonna be, okay, you turn here, and then it's gonna be like the, the phone giving you directions when you've made the wrong turn, right? Y'all do that? We'll do, I, I try to talk to Google Maps, you know, and then something happens and I turn and it, it tells me, you know, what I have to do to get back on track. That's kind of the way it works. So no matter how far you go or how far you've been down the wrong way, God knows how to get you back, but he's going to take you turn by turn. And that's probably the best way that I know to describe it. He's going to do it turn by turn. And that's kind of what a reset is. It's a turn by turn to get you back to where you should be. Now, this is what we're going to do today. This is the series itself. Okay, we're, we're at the end of it today, so we're going to start something new next week. I'm probably going to be, um, I don't know for sure if this will be the title, but right now I'm thinking about um, this idea of breaking the mold, about doing things differently than they've been done before, or doing things differently than we've done it before. Maybe that no, I'm not saying that no one's ever tried it, it's just we haven't done it this way. And may, there may be some things in your life as an individual that you've not done before. And so I'll, I'll be thinking about that. And the Bible's full of examples of that. A lot of instruction, a lot of help in the Scripture for breaking the mold of your life or breaking the mold even for a congregation. So we may be going there starting next week. But this is where we've been for four weeks now. The Reset Series started with Cast the First Stone. And that had to do with sin. So if your life's been turned upside down because of sin, if your life's in turmoil because of sin, if you feel condemned because of sin, that's what that reset is all about. Because the only person that ever walked this earth who could condemn you was Jesus the Christ. And he said, I won't do it. He said, I won't do it. And we read that scripture. And then he said, now go and sin no more. So you've got that balance in the scripture. But there's no person in the world who can sit as your judge and cast the first stone at you. That's the reset. That's the beginning. Second week, we did take off your shoes, and that had to do with meeting God in a unique and powerful way. We looked at how Moses met with God in the burning bush. God spoke to him from that burning bush, and God redirected his life. He got a reset through that encounter. And I tried to share with you that week that you know if that happens to you once in life, you are most blessed. And, and if it happens twice or maybe three times in your life, 
you're even you know, more blessed. But those are the kinds of experiences that typically only happen once or three times in your whole life where you have a moment with God and it changes the direction. It's, it's not like the presence of God that you know every day. It's one of those, if you want to call it this, one of those come to Jesus meetings. Once, twice, maybe three times in your life you have one of those and He just sets you on a whole different course. And so that's take off your shoes. And then last week we did Stop My Stupid. Stop my stupid. That's when you think you're doing the right thing, but you're really doing the wrong thing. It's when you're trying in the name of God to do something you think is good, and Jesus tells you you're doing it completely wrong. And you just kind of get stuck on stupid, and you need a reset. And sometimes that happens to us. And today that brings us to the last one, which is give me a sign, and this might be you today. I don't know. I never know. That's why I like to do the, kind of the... the um, Look again at the whole series because you never know what means to most people. But today, give me a sign. If, you, if you've ever looked up to God and said, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know what direction to take. I'm at a loss here. Can you, can you give me some direction? Could you help me out? What do I do? All right, that's what we're looking at today. And we're going to look at it in Acts chapter 16. So this is going to be our passage. I'm going to read it from my Bible over here, but you've got it on the screen. It's Acts chapter 16, starting at verse 6, and it goes through verse 10. Now, um, if you saw that this was posted last night, and you kind of looked ahead in the Bible and kind of looked around to see what was going on. Just to, just to give you an idea, Acts chapter 15 is really, really important. It's about a big meeting. The Apostle Paul, all the other apostles, everybody kind of gathered up in Jerusalem and they had this really big meeting because they had some, some, some real problems going on in the church at large. And the problems had to do with so many people came from a Jewish background and yet they had lots and lots of people now who were coming into the faith who were, who were Gentiles, who were non-Jewish people. And that led to all kinds of, of, you know, I'll just call it head, they just bumped heads, you know. They didn't think the same way about the culture. They didn't think the same way about what's actually acceptable or unacceptable as a follower of Jesus Christ. And they, the, it was just a clash. So they had a big meeting in Acts chapter 15 to deal with that. When that was over, right at the end of Acts 15, starts what's known as the second missionary journey. So Paul's already been on one big journey. He's, he's been to many places. And now this big council's over in Jerusalem, and he says, let's go back and see how everybody's doing. Let's go back to the places where we've been before. Now, if you, if you catch something there, those are the same places where they arrested him. Those are the same places where he got beat up and thrown into jail and those kinds of things. And here he is saying, hey, let's go back again. What a great guy, right? Everybody needs a friend like the Apostle Paul in that way. So all that's happened, and they start on their journey and they get stuck. And that's what we're about to read. Paul, Paul got stuck. Like he, he thought he knew what to do. He thought he was going the right way. And then all of a sudden something changed and he didn't know what to do. And we're just going to pick up a few verses that deal with that. So this is it. Acts 16, 6 through 10. So they passed through Phrygian and Galatian regions. And having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. So that's one stop. After that, they came to Myasia. And they were trying to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. That's stop number two. And passing through Myasia, they came down to Troas. Verse 9. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. 
When he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. It gives us this example today of when you tell us sometimes to stop and then you tell us to go. And so we ask as we consider these things today that you give us insight into our own lives, give us insight into what we do as a church. Lord, show us your will, show us your way. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So I'll put the question out here like this. Well, it's not really a question, but it's when you don't know what to do. Just as simple as that. And if this applies to you today more individually, let's go with that. If you're thinking of it in terms of us as a church, think of that. You know, we're recording this whole thing. We're going to upload it. The people that are not here, if they want to listen to it, they get a chance to listen to it. But, it, but it's for all of us. Because if there's anything that we can agree on today, I would give you these two things. Number one, we agree that we gather here in the name of Jesus Christ because he is everything. That's, that's one thing we all agree on. No matter where we come from, what our backgrounds, how we got here, that's why we're here today, because of Jesus Christ. Number two, we can agree on this. God, in His wisdom, has put us together for His purpose. And we don't know what all of that means yet. You know, we're just getting started with that. But we know He's put us together for His purpose. And sometimes we find ourselves right there when you don't know what to do. So, the scripture we just read. What I want to draw out of that are the things that, that kind of happen. Just some observations about what they did. We're going to use that as our example for what to do when we don't know what to do. Now, here, here's the, the most obvious one. It's my first one for you today. When you don't know what to do, this is what you do. You do what you know to do. I need to explain that, okay? Doesn't that sound so fun? You're like, oh my goodness, preacher, you spent all week on this. <laughs> you spent all week, that's what you got? This is what I mean. This is what happens because, I, I mean, I can't tell you how often I've sat down to talk to someone. They're trying to figure out what to do in life, and, and, and they just do a literal all stop. They stop doing even the things they know to do. And, and that's what I'm saying. Don't do that. Paul, maybe he didn't have direction yet. He didn't know about Macedonia yet. He didn't know about west instead of east. He didn't have that direction from God yet. But what was he doing? He, he said, well, let's go back and let's go see the people that we saw before. Let's, let's go back to where those churches are, those little house churches that we left behind where we spent some time and people became believers. Let's go back and see them. So he was just doing what he knew to do. Now, let me make that real simple and individual for us, okay? When you reach a point in life when you don't know what to do, there are a few things that you probably can think about and know that you should do. Like, for example, you're here this morning. If you don't know anything else, you can wake up on Sunday morning and you say, well, maybe I'll just go to church. <laughs> you know, there's some Christian people there. They're going to be praying. They're going to sing some songs. The preacher's going to read from the Bible. Maybe there's something there for me. You know, and, and you can do that. And can I just be as straightforward as I know how to be about that? I know people show up for our services sometimes, not just here, but anywhere. Show up for services and they're thinking, God, would you just give me something? And then they go home going, God, would you just give me something? Does that ever happen to you? You kind of get stuck waiting and you don't know what to do. 
And you wish and you want that every service would be a service where you walk out and you just have this clear direction. And sometimes you'll hit a stage in your life where that'll happen. It'll happen almost every week for you. And then I'm telling you, you'll hit a dry spot where it's just like week after week, nothing. When that happens, don't blame the preacher. It's not my fault. (laughs) I'm not Jesus Christ. I can't do that for you. If you show up in a service like this where we're calling on Him and we're praying to Him, you're not, you're not dependent on me. You're not dependent on somebody to show up here and do something special for you. You're looking to God. And if God decides that this week you need to hear something, He's going to give it to you. And if He decides this is the week that you're just going to have to hold on, then so be it. I have a feeling He doesn't work on our calendar. Right? So when you're in one of those holding patterns, you just do what you know to do. You know, you, you keep showing up. You keep praying. You keep reading your Bible. You keep trying to do some good things in His name, even when you don't feel like it. I should say that part again. <laughs> even when you don't feel like it. Okay, so you know how people are, right? There are people that think their way through things, and there are people that feel their way through things, Right? And if you're thinking, you're kind of more along that line, you kind of think your way through it. You're one of those people, you know, I love you because you wake up and if you don't feel good, you still show up. You just keep going. You just do your thing because you know you should and and your feelings don't have a lot to do with it. Now, I'm not saying that you feeling people are bad, okay? I'm not saying that. It's just I know how the, the feeling people are. They wake up and they don't, they're just not feeling it today. Not gonna do it. Don't feel it. It's not that that's a bad thing, but you see the difference, right? You see the difference. And so maybe this is more for people that tend to go on feelings. When you don't know what to do and you're not feeling it, just, just take that step forward and do what, do what you know you should do. Go open that Bible again and read it, even if it feels like you know, you're not getting anything out of it. Offer that prayer to God, even though it may feel like your voice is just hitting the ceiling and it really doesn't go anywhere else. Show up at your church. Show up anyway. Even if you think, these people, I don't even like them. <laughs> just, just show up anyway. Do what you know to do. And somehow in that, God begins to move us forward. There's not one person in this room today that hasn't had something disappointing happen to them related to church that would have given you enough reason to quit. Am I right? Now, if you're here and you're like, oh, church has always been great for me, wonderful, I've never had a bad experience, please come talk to me after service because I want to hear your story, all right? I want to know your story because it's typically not that way. Michael Catt is the pastor at, um, oh, whatever that large church is in Albany that makes all the movies, you know, and um, he said something this week that, that I overheard, not in person, it was online, but I overheard it, and he said, you know, he said, I'm at the age where... All my pastor friends have either gone on to heaven or quit. There's very few that are still in it, you know, and, and, I, and I understand what he's saying, you know, and, and, but, but my thought is I relate that back to the church. It's not just the pastors. It's everybody. You know, it, it, it's not just a pastor or staff person that can have a bad experience in church. It's, it's anybody. And I know there's not one of you here that hasn't had enough happen to you that if you told me what happened to you, I'd look at you and go, if you don't come back, I understand. Happens to everyone. 
And so if you get in a spot like that and you don't know what to do next, just this is what I'm saying. Put one foot in front of the other. Do those things that you know you should do, even if you don't feel like it, even if you don't understand it. That's what Paul was doing here. Now, one of the things we didn't read about is that uh, before they started this, this second missionary journey, before they got to where we were here, Paul had a kind of a, a blow up with his ministry friends. And, and if you just kind of go back and, and read through that, um, it's in the first part of the chapter. Um, but Paul and, and Silas, they had gone together on that first missionary journey. They were missionary workers. And when they got ready to do the second one, Paul wanted to take one person, Silas wanted to take another. And the scripture says the division between them was so strong that they had to part ways. So again, there's Paul, you know, he, he's, he's trying to do the right thing. He's trying to do what he thinks he should do, but he's just had a, a split with someone that he's really close to and has worked together with for a long time, and, but they're not together right now. You know, that's what he's going through. That's what he's dealing with. So what do you do? You just keep doing what you know to do. So if you get a chance, just read around the scripture. Read around uh, what we read today and you'll see uh, more of what we're talking about. So here's the second thing. When you don't know, wait where you are. <laughs> wait where you are. So that's what we read about, right? They were moving around. They were trying to get to the place where they should go, where they kind of thought they would go. And they started getting stop signs. Don't go to Asia. Don't go this direction. And I love the way the scripture talks about it. They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit first. And then second, they, um, the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. So there's two phrases there. They really mean the same thing. It's God's Spirit. You know, it's Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit saying, don't go that direction. All right, so, so they get to a point where they just, they just hold. They just wait where they are. All right, have you ever had a runner? A kid that's a runner? You know, the runners that... There were a couple of them in my house, and you, had, you get them out of the car, and they're gone, you know. They just want to see whatever's out there. They want to go to what's next, or whatever they see or hear. Or uh, a runner in the sense of anytime things get tough, they are out the door. That's what I mean by runner. You got a lot of runners out there. There are people that just, they don't like it to be uncomfortable. They don't like it to be like they like it, and, and they're runners. And what happens is when you don't know what to do and you got that uncomfortable feeling about it and it's something so important as your life and God's will and those things, sometimes anything seems better. Okay, so I grew up in Alabama. You grew up, if you're from this area, I know you've seen this through. You ever driven by, driven by like a cow pasture and seen a cow stick his head through a fence to eat stuff out of the ditch? Right? You ever seen that? And you're like, he's got a whole place behind him, all that good stuff, you know. There's a whole pasture there set up, and here he is at the fence with his head stuck through, eating out of the ditch. Now, if there's a good reason for that, somebody explain that to me. But it looks funny when you see that, right? There's all this that's been provided for them. There's a fence around the whole place. You know, it's kind of a protected environment. You know, the, the, the cow has everything they need to have, but you drive by, and they got their head stuck through a fence eating. Yes, that's what it is. <laughs> That's a great point. Yeah, I'm not going to say that out loud. It'll be on the recording, but I know what you're saying. <laughs> But that's kind of that's the direction I'm thinking today. Let's say God has provided you something, all right? 
He's provided a place. He's, he's put some, some fences in your life, so to speak. He's put some people in your life, so to speak. He, he's got it all there for you. And, and when you get uncomfortable in the place where you should be, sometimes you just want to run. You don't want to wait where you need to wait. And it's something for all of us to think about. Now, I don't know how to apply that to your individual life. Okay? You, you have to be the one to do that. What I'm saying is Jesus Christ loves you. He will not leave you lost. He didn't leave you lost spiritually. He's not going to leave you lost in your sanctification, in this process you go through of becoming like Him. He's not going to just leave you. Okay, There may be some waiting involved, but He's not going to leave you. So when you're in a place and you don't know what to do, just, just wait there. I don't know. I get frustrated with that as a pastor because I've watched it over the years. You know, when, when people get uncomfortable or unhappy, they just run away. And there are times to go. I get it. There are times to move on. Every one of you were a part of another church somewhere in the past before, right? You could just back up and, you know, well, I moved to this state, that state, and this church or that church. I mean, I, there are times to move. I'm not saying that. But when you're in a place like this and you don't have direction in your life, the best thing to do is just to sit tight, to wait where you are because it's going to change. And that might be the best way to do it. Before I moved back to Florida in 2015, I was in a church for 10 years, um, Baptist Church in Midland City, Alabama. And, you know, we, we weren't a real big congregation or anything, and it was just a tough, tough place, you know, just a tough place of ministry. And sometimes I would have people who kind of knew my situation say, well, why are you staying there? Why, why don't you go somewhere else? You know, you're, you're a good preacher or something. You know, why don't you go somewhere else? I'm like, well, I'm supposed to be here. That, that's why I'm here. I'm here because I'm supposed to be here. And, you know, yeah, you go to a church, you stay four or five years, you move on to something else. Well, well no, not really. <laughs> if you're supposed to be there, you just stay where you are until the Lord speaks to you and gives you direction about something else. And, and so what I'm trying to tell you is something I know that I've lived through in my life. I know I've done it. Where you just sit tight, you just keep doing what you know to do, and, and you just wait where you are. And you see what the Lord has for you. And that brings us to the third part of this. When you don't know, you got to listen for something different. That's my favorite part of this passage. It's something different. So in this case, something happens to the Apostle Paul that it looks a little bit like what happened at his conversion, but it's, I mean, it, I put it in the same category. He had, a, he had a spiritual experience that was unusual. And you remember when he was Saul and he was on the road to Damascus, we looked at that last week in Acts chapter 9, and how there was a, a lightning type thing, and there was a voice, and everybody heard the voice, but nobody saw the other stuff, and, and, and Paul heard... Jesus saying to him, why are you persecuting me? Okay, now he was awake for this, but he had that experience with Jesus that changed his life. All right, on this one, it's in that same category, but it's a little bit different because here he's waiting, he doesn't know, and he has a dream. So this will be the, the first time you'll see anything like this happening to Paul. 
He has a dream, and he dreams about a man from Macedonia. Now, how did he know it was from Macedonia? Did he have a sign? You know, was it the clothes he was wearing? Was he standing in front of the, you know, population, whatever? <laughs> how did he know it was from Macedonia? Nobody really knows, but Paul knew this was a guy from Macedonia. And the guy is saying, come over here and help us. Those are the only details we have of the dream. But Paul understood from that dream that this was God speaking to him and that they were supposed to go west into Macedonia. I know I've shared this with you before. I just want to remind you one more time. Western civilization changed because this man had a dream. That's, I mean, that's just, you know, for, my wife's a history teacher, so this is just a big deal to she and I when we talk about it. But you think about movements and how the whole world changed, and it literally goes back to something like this. Paul had a dream about Macedonia. He went west. He goes to Philippi. That's the beginning of the gospel moving into Eastern Europe and then into Western Europe. And literally, we're sitting here today. The world's a different place because the gospel went west and didn't go east. It has nothing to do with the east being bad or anything like that. It's just that's the way God did it. And it, it literally goes back to a dream. That's fascinating to me. So what am I trying to say to you? You don't know what to do. Just kind of open up your mind, open up your ears here, and be ready to listen for something different. Because the way maybe you've, you've been accustomed to God speaking to you, He may choose to do it differently this time. And if He's had you waiting for a while, He's probably going to speak to you very differently this time. It doesn't have to be a lightning bolt from heaven. It doesn't need to be a burning bush experience. It doesn't have to be a dream like we just read about. I'm just saying be listening for something different because if he's not giving you clear direction now, he's going to. And how do I know that? Because he loves you. Because he will not leave you. He will not abandon you. He's not going to leave you there forever. He may, he'll leave you there as long enough. He may not give you direction. That may be some kind of testing for you. But when I say a test, it's not a pass-fail test. It's a when-you-change test. Did, did, did I say that okay? Not a pass-fail. Not like, I'm going to let you wait and let's see how you do if you pass my test or not. It's not that kind of test. It's the kind of test as, that says, I need you to believe and trust and wait. It's that kind of test. It's, it's, it's the kind of test that makes you stronger. It's the kind of test that changes who you are. And if you'll hear it, it's the kind of test that you, you get a change you can't get any other way. No other way. C.S. Lewis made a point in one of his books. And he basically said this. I'm paraphrasing it. If God would allow all the good things in your life be taken away and yet you still believed in him and you still trust him and you still think he's good if you have that kind of faith what else can your spiritual enemy do there's nothing left right I mean, if God would allow all the things that we just love so much to be stripped out of our life, if He took the people away, if He took the things away, if He took the comforts away, if He allowed all that to happen, kind of like what happened to Job, and if, if you and I are still there like Job, going, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. If you're still that person of faith after all the outside stuff has been removed, what else does your spiritual enemy have? Nothing. Nothing. Because you simply 
believe. Now, there's not one of us here that wants to go through that, right? <laughs> we, we don't want all the, the wonderful things and people in our lives to be removed. We don't want that. But, but that does happen at, at a certain level in our life. We do go through those kinds of changes. We do have things close to that. You know, say it's not 100%, everything's away, but, but maybe it was 50, maybe it was 40, but whatever it was, it was still bad. And what, and what that does to our faith is it strengthens us because we believe He's still there, He still loves me, He's still good. He's not good because He gives me good things. He's good because He's good. He doesn't love me because, you know, I do everything right. He loves me because he loves me. And that grace is what changes our lives. I, I, I need to remind you of it here again. We just need to do this as a church probably from time to time. But let us be the kind of church, the kind of congregation that says to people, Jesus loves you no matter what. And, I, and not, don't let it just be words for us. Let it be the way we treat people. It doesn't mean we approve of anybody's behavior. I mean, people do bad things, okay? That's that. But let's make sure we're communicating what Jesus tries to communicate. And that is, I love you no matter what. That's grace. All right, so when you don't know what to do, listen for something different. He might speak it to you directly, like his spirit right to you. It might be like a voice in your head. It might be something you're reading in the Bible and it just jumps out and you're like, oh, that's it. That's it. It might be that when you're gathered together with the church, something happens here and, and you just hear a whisper. I love to use that word whisper when I'm talking about, you know, God speaking, because one of the most crucial things you'll ever do as a believer is learn to distinguish the whisper of God in your mind from just your mind. You know, that there's a voice in your head. You know, you think and you, you know, you just kind of think to yourself and that's you. But every now and then there's something else in there. And that's the spirit of God speaking to you. And you learn to recognize his voice. And it could be that way. It could come to you from another person another believer. And, it, and if you can accept this, sometimes God's direction can come to you from a person who's not even a believer because God can speak any way he chooses, right? So just be open. If, if you're stuck today, and you're like, I don't know what to do. Just, just kind of open up your heart and say, well, God, when you get ready to speak to me, however you're going to do it, I just don't want to miss it. You know, I'm just, I'm not limiting you, Lord, to the service on Sunday morning or the scripture when I read it. I'm just going to, however you want to do it, Lord, speak to me. Because he spoke to Paul in the night in a dream. When he was in REM sleep. How about that? Yeah. All right, last one for you. When you don't know what to do, you're supposed to take action as soon as you do hear there's a wonderful phrase when you're reading it in the scripture. It's in verse 10. When he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia. There's a few places in the book of Acts that have we statements. So it's believed that, that it was Luke, the same writer of the gospel of Luke, who also wrote Acts. And anytime there's some we statements in the book of Acts, it's believed those were times when Luke was with them. Okay, so this is one of those times. So it was he, Paul, who had the dream, but it was we, all of us, who took the action, and we immediately started making our way to Macedonia. 
So let's say, let's say God has you waiting for a while. I mean, I don't wish that on anybody. You know, I don't, you, you probably don't want that either. But let's just say you've been unclear, unsure about what to do and the direction to take. And it's been that way for some time. When God does speak to you, it might be a little scary. It might unnerve you a little bit. It might sound bigger than what you were expecting or what you maybe wanted to do. It may be a completely different direction. Who knows? But whenever that happens, you want to do this. You want to take action as soon as you hear. You want to start then. You want to start then. Once you know, go. That's as simple as I know how to put it. Once, once you know, go. So for you as an individual... When you hear it, you hear it. Don't wait. Don't say, God, in six months, I'll, I'll take you up on that. Go then. Go then. Uh, when I was a much younger man, um, I didn't want to go to Bible college. Can you believe that? I didn't want to go. I didn't think I needed it. <laughs> you don't know what you don't know, right? I had some professors believe that's why God put them in this world, to teach me what I don't know and to tell me I don't know what I don't know. But anyway, I didn't want to go. And I knew God had called me to do ministry. I knew, I knew that, but I didn't want to go to college. I just didn't want to go. And so I'm working full-time job. I'm working night shift. I work 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. Hot, sweaty, just overnight stuff. I'm walking down this aisle in this place, probably, I don't know, two or three in the morning, something like that. And I'm just telling you, there was a voice. It was loud in there. There was a lot of machines going, but it didn't matter. I had earplugs in, but I heard a voice in my head. And it said this, it's time. That's it. That's it, the whole thing. And I knew exactly what he meant. Time for me to go to school. I knew it. I knew where I was supposed to go. I knew, yeah, I mean, it wasn't a doubt about the school or anything. I just needed to do it. Now, I tried my best to delay. That's why I'm telling you this story. Like I went home, I talked to some of my friends, I talked to my wife, my wife was on board, which she's amazing with all this stuff, and I talked to a couple of my friends, I was like, well, you know, there's time to get in on this semester, but I think I need to do a few things, and I'll get it all lined up, and I'll, I'll go next semester, next semester. And my friend Bobby said, I don't think you should do that. I said, why not? It makes sense to me. <laughs> my choice, it makes sense to me. And Bobby was like, ah, you told me that God told you that. If he says it's time, it's probably time. Now I look back, it makes sense, right? It makes sense. So we did. We, I just, I, I, I literally, I walked away from a full-time job with a wife, two kids, a mortgage, and a car payment. I know, my grandmother told me I was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many people mad with me, <laughs> except Michelle. Y'all hug that lady every time you see her. She is a saint. Because she's just one of those people that says, well, if this is what God wants, he'll take care of us. Let's go. It's amazing. So we did. And, you know, I won't tell that whole story again, but because I did it at such short notice, you know, I just showed up down at that college ready to enroll. I didn't have any money, none. I enrolled in classes with no money. And it was so funny to me because when I went to the business office, I'm looking at the lady, she's looking at me like, when are you going to pay? I'm, I don't have any money. And she said, you need to go to financial aid. 
I went to financial aid and they said, what do you need? And I said, I don't have any money. <laughs> this was registration day. This was not in advance. This was the day we were signing up for classes. And, uh, and so financial aid people told me that I needed to go see a man named R.C. Hammock. And he's retired now. But I went to see uh, Dr. Hammock and I sat down. He said, how can I help you? I said, I don't have any money. <laughs> None. And he asked me a few questions. And this is literally, this is before the internet and all this, you know. He literally did this. He opened his drawer on his desk he said I happen to have some scholarships for poor preacher boys from Alabama <laughs> those are his little words he reached in and gave me a piece of paper <laughs> with a scholarship written out on it I went back to, uh, back to the business office looked at that same lady slid her that paper under the little desk and I was like I got money now <laughs> that's what I did that's how it happened fast forward four years because I did the whole thing in four years but you fast forward four years and the timing of it was absolutely perfect. I could not have known that four years to the week of my graduation, if I had not started then, I wouldn't have been there. And there's so much more to that story and I, I don't wanna take the time to tell it today, but when I got to the other end of that four year journey, there was no doubt I had to start four years earlier that semester, I had to do it. And that's, that's what I'm, I'm trying to say is, you know, if, you, if you're in a holding pattern and God's kind of just got you waiting, when he does speak, he's, not, he's probably not going to tell you, I want you to do this next year. When he speaks, he's ready for you to do it then. So just, just do it. Just go. You know, the, the four years I was in college, if you had, if you had tried to tell me, in, if you wanted me to tell you in advance how I was going to feed my family and we were going to buy gas for the car for the next four years, I had no answers, none. But I'm still here. We didn't starve to death. We made it. Now, I want to say the same thing for us as a group. You know, at some point, God's going to give us more specific direction. He's going to give us greater direction or indication of what he wants us to do as a church. And I just want you and I in our hearts to be ready for that. Because when he says go, we just need to go. We need to do that. So whether it's your individual life or whether it's us as a church, it's, it's always the same. We're, we're going to take action as soon as we hear. All right, this is the way I want to end it today. This is kind of our challenge. It's for all of us. If you need a sign, if you need to hear, if you need some direction from God, just ask Him for a reset. I don't think it ever hurts to say, God, I've been listening. I'm not hearing anything. Is there something that needs to be different? God, would you speak to me? Didn't Jesus teach us, ask and you shall receive? I can't promise you what you'll hear today. I, don't, I can't promise you if you'll hear anything today. But I can tell you in faith, we're supposed to ask. And that's what the reset's about. So here in just a moment, we're going to stand together. We're going to pray. Uh, I'm going to play some music over here. And just, I want you to have time to talk to God. You to have time to respond to Him. Whatever's in your mind, whatever's in your heart, you just take that to Him. If you want to pray with someone, I'm going to stand down front. I'll be glad to pray with you. But this is your time. So let's stand together. Father in heaven, thank you for grace and mercy to each one of us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the example that we have in the scripture. And it's my prayer today for each person here. 
Lord, did I just simply say yes to you? And then you 